0: welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas and now here's your host justin Hahneman. thanks for listening thanks for tuning in thanks for downloading it's justin honiman i'm the contender cast for shining a light on bright ideas today you guys are going to be so hungry after listening to this discussion it is one of the coolest new brands that i've had on the podcast in a long time and the company is called life's grape like i mean it's so cool even the name you just can't help but love it life's grape like grape you know you eat you you eat the grape um and on the podcast is basha and courtney gillespie co-founders of life's grape guys it is so cool and amazing to have you on the contender cast
1: thank you justin we're glad to be here
0: I'm excited. Thank you
1: very
2: much.
0: As you guys know, we're going to go with Basha and Court now. I'm just going to call you Court. Um, so <laughs> for those who don't know, Basha and Court Gillespie, um, these guys have launched this company called Life's Grape, family-owned, California-grown brand of vine-dried grapes. There is a difference in their product, which we're going to explore today. And you guys, like I said, you're going to be hungry and you're going to be searching them out and trying to figure out where you can get their product, which we're going to explore also. Um, and I just can't even wait to dive in. So, all right, let's, let's start with this first question, the one I love to just get us started with. Basha and Courtney, how did you guys decide, I'm going to start a business, we're going to call it Life's Grape, and we're going to quit everything else we're doing and make this our priority? How did this all get started?
1: Well... I wish I could say this was a short story, but it goes back <laughs> about thirty-five years, actually.
0: Oh my gosh, thirty-five <laughs> so years!
1: Our yeah, our family business started thirty-five years ago when our grandparents uh, purchased their first vineyard in Madera, California. Uh, back then, it was a Thompson seedless vineyard, and raisins were the hot thing to be growing. So they jumped on board, and they were kind of doing it as a, a hobby or an investment uh wasn't really something they were pursuing full time. And my parents, Basha and her lovely husband Troy, my father, <laughs> uh, started kind of doing the same thing when they both graduated college and got married. And so it was just kind of something that was on the side. And my dad jokes that we were accidental farmers because about 20 years ago my dad was looking at the numbers and kind of was like, you know, farming pretty cool. Like there's a lot going on here, and so started going more and more into it. And over the over the years, it just became our full time family business. And we started growing a different type of grape than the traditional Thompson. Uh, UC Davis released a new variety of grape called the Selma Pete, which is a cross between your traditional Thompson a muscat grape and a fiesta grape. And they were doing this because one of the problems impacting the industry was labor. Labor was getting too expensive and it just wasn't becoming financially feasible to be growing the Thompson raisin anymore. So we started planting the Selma Peak grape and, you know, it achieved everything they wanted it to achieve. And it actually was a fantastic grape. The quality of it was amazing. And so we were really proud of our products, but It wasn't getting the recognition it deserved for being so different and unique. And so four years ago, um, instead of retiring, my parents decided to take on another aspect of the business and purchased a processing facility in Kerman, California, just down the street from our vineyards. And so we actually became wholesale bulk raisin grower, processor and grower. Um, So we were exporting and selling raisins all over the world. And kind of were figuring out that business. And, you know, we were doing 30 pound boxes of raisin is typically the standard size that we would ship out. And so finally, we were able to take control of our product and give it to our family and friends and be like, we grew this, we've cleaned it up. Will you try it? And everyone loved it. And, you know, naturally the next question was, well, where can I buy it? Well. As much as I would love for every person on the planet to be consuming a 30-pound case of raisins, that is not something that that most people would like. (laughs) Um, And so we kind of toyed with, well, do we go retail? Do we keep vertically integrating and give the consumer a healthy snack? And so we did some research. We contacted some universities, had them do some studies to see if people really could identify the difference between the traditional raisin and the Selma peat. And we got some good feedback. And so, about two years ago, we decided to take the crazy next step and take on the retail world and started Life Scrape. And um, our goal behind Life Scrape was to really get people snacking on raisins again. Um, back in the 80s, The raisin was like the number one snack. The dancing raisin commercials were the number one commercial. Whatever happened to raisins?
0: Like, what happened to them back in the days after that?
1: They, the industry kind of was riding the high tide of that and kind of was like, well, the marketing's working. Let's just stop marketing. Um, So the industry kind of dropped the ball there a little bit. And that's when cranberries, almonds, pistachios, everyone else just swooped in. Um, and so, you know, raisins got pushed by the wayside and they became a commodity and an ingredient. And here we are today wow, trying to rebuild that. Um, and well,
0: so raisins I love are a really
1: healthy, natural snack and people should be eating them. They have no added sugars, unlike a lot of other dried fruits. And so we wanted to get it into the hands of the consumers and get people snacking on them again. <laughs> um, which is why we are raisins revamped. <laughs> I,
0: <laughs> so like in six minutes and 18 seconds you basically told the whole story it's like amazing so we'll just stop just kidding all right so um <laughs> i gotta go back we're gonna we're gonna dive into parts of the story because i mean that's awesome It and what a you got that down like you got the story down it's amazing okay so what makes your Yours taste better. Like, cause one of the things I was reading about was, and I know you want Courtney wanted to make her make her mission to break raisins cool again, but the fact was you guys got feedback that your product was better, that it tasted better, that it, it was a better product flavor wise, nutrition wise, et cetera. So talk about that in terms of what made your what wakes your product really unique.
1: So the biggest difference, I mean, everyone jokes, everyone tries to sell you something new and improved, right. but it's always the same old product <laughs> right. with something changed. But this is truly new and improved because it is a different grape and it's a different drying process. So traditional raisins that, are Thompson seedless. Yeah, talk about that. That'd be great. Yeah. Thompson seedless dried on the ground in between the vines. Okay. So this grape paired with that drying technique, the raisins get baked, if you will, in the sun. So they caramelize, they get tough, um, and they get that. Traditional raisin taste to them,
0: and that's what we see at the store. Like as a typical consumer or someone listening, that's like, yeah, I bought grapes for or, or raisins. This this is what I found at the store, right? That's what they're typically finding.
1: Yes, got it. Ninety percent of what you're seeing out there is currently still Thompson seedless.
0: Okay, got it. Tray
1: dried is the term. Is trade dried.
0: Okay, cool. So,
1: Tray dried. Yes, and so the Selma Pete is the cross between the Fiesta, a Muscat, and the Thompson grape. So the Thompson was to maintain the traditional raisin characteristics. The Fiesta is an early ripening variety, which means it ripens two to three weeks earlier than a traditional Thompson. Therefore, they were able to achieve the drying on the vine. And then they bred it with Muscat because it's a really plump, juicy grape. Um, Not a lot of people know this, but it is larger than a gumball. It is a massive grape. those three together created a delicious grape. And then the vine drying process, they're, we go through and we cut the canes, So we cut off the water supply, but they're tied to the, uh, the trellis system. So they're up off the ground and they're underneath the leaves. So instead of getting baked like a traditional raisin, they're more dehydrated under the canopy, um, shaded, kind of like under an umbrella. And therefore, they don't get the caramelization of the sugars. Their skins remain really delicate, and plump, and juicy. Uh, I joke that they are nature's gummy bears. <laughs> when you bite into them, they're substance to
0: amazing. Them.
1: And so, with the grape and the drying process, the ultimate result is a fantastic, plump, meaty, juicy, delicious, healthy little dried grape. And so, the technical industry term is dried on the vine or DOV, if you will. Um, And so that's kind of where the name came from. But we really decided to call them vine dried grapes. Actually, it was kind of an accident. It was the couple weeks after we bought our processing facility. We were at a trade show trying to get our wholesale name out there. And people would walk by, and I'd be like, would you guys like to try some raisins? Most of the people, oh, I don't like raisins. Raisins are gross. I haven't eaten a raisin in 30 years. And and I was like, well, would you like to try a vine dried grape? And people would stop and they'd look at me and they'd walk over to the booth. So I'd walk to the back of the booth and I would come forward with our Selma Pete vine dried grapes. And I got a gentleman who said he hasn't eaten a raisin in 30 years to try my vine dried grapes. And he loved it. And so I came home from the trade show and I told my mom, I'm like, We have to change the perception. We have to let people know that there's something new out there. And vine dried grape actually, I think, better describes the product than a raisin. Um, By definition, it is a raisin. I won't deny that. But when you look at them, they look similar. But as soon as you taste them and you feel them, I mean, I take them in my fingers and I'm like, squish them. They plump back up like there's substance to them. Um, I think buying dried grape better represents it, so that's where we really decided to kind of change the perception, get people noticing that I'm not trying to sell you the same old thing with a different name. It's a different yeah, product, awesome. I swear. <laughs> no,
0: I think that's really cool. I mean, you guys need to be doing the the gift shows and whatnot. I mean, that the companies like yours are there, and you guys would rock it. I mean, I don't know if you're doing all those, but we can talk about that in a minute. Um, so. How did you decide? Okay, the family business is like there's something there. Like, good that you had a neat product. People like the taste better. But how did you decide? You know what? This is something that we need to start. This is I'm going to put time into and make this into something. There's no question. Like that. There's there's legs and opportunity behind your brand here. And like, how did you decide instead of letting it kind of. Dry on the vine, <laughs> no pun intended. Um, to actually do something with
1: it, honestly, it's just we're very passionate about grapes. I know that sounds silly, but we've always been so proud of how hard we work on our farming and then on our wholesale business that we're passionate and we know that people are going to like this product and that it's a good, healthy alternative for people um, that we really. As soon as we knew people were going to like it, that it was going to go somewhere. And this also sounds kind of funny and (laughs) counterintuitive to like what a normal business would be. (laughs) Sure. But our family didn't really used to eat raisins. Wow. It was our family business, but I mean, they were there and you'd snack on on them every now and then. But as soon as the Salma Pete came out, our whole family converted and we started eating them more. And so, Seeing our own family, who has dealt with it forever, kind of change. We knew that the industry was ready for something new and something different. And not a lot of people are kind of taking that step. And so, I mean, the industry has been stagnant for 30 years. So it was time for something innovative to come forward. And we love grapes. So here we are. No, I love it. There was really no this is the moment it just it felt like what we had to do yeah
0: no this is just awesome um how did you decide then okay i got the wholesale part um and so you decide let's sell direct to consumers because most consumers won't buy a 30 pound bag although i think some might um (laughs) depending on the shelf life um (laughs) but it would be very heavy to ship um so i love your packaging nice job i mean really nice um and design and, and whatnot. You've got a couple flavors here. We've got the minis, the classics, the dark chocolate, and peanut butter. I mean, oh my God, peanut butter? So, how did you decide on the flavors?
1: <laughs> so, the classic is the standard size across the industry. Any other raisin brand you try when you open up your cereal box, that is a standard size. Um, so, classic, we figured let's start with the basics keep it simple. Minis actually are just a smaller version of the classic. It's a grape that didn't get quite as big. Uh, Typically on the wholesale side, it's used as an ingredient for big bakeries, for scones, things like that. They taste just as fantastic, but you get more in your hand per serving because they're half the size. So kids love them. Uh, My roommate jokes, I get to play with my food more when I'm eating the mini because <laughs> Got it. instead of getting <laughs> They're more manageable. 20 in your hand, she's now getting 50. <laughs> um, and so we decided to kind of bring minis to the retail shelf, get them out from under wholesale and give people the opportunity to take advantage of what bakeries are. Um, whether you want to make it a topping on your salad, add it into your stones, feed it to your children, minis are there. Um, and so we're just trying to figure out, You know where they best fit, but so far, kids have been the ones that have latched onto it. And then, in regards to the dark chocolate, we analyzed the space and how did you do that? Chocolate covered anything? uh, Look at the space. We spent a lot of time in the grocery store. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, okay, got it.
1: So we went. We went to grocery stores. We looked at the dried fruit sections, the snack sections, seeing what people were doing and then looking at what was missing. And we noticed that dark uh, chocolate-coated products usually are milk chocolate. There's not many dark chocolate-coated products out there. And our dark chocolate is a premium cocoa, and then we didn't do a wax coating. We decided to do a cocoa dusting instead. So they're more matte um, artisan, similar to what some almond companies were doing with their dark chocolate-coated almonds. it hasn't been done on a lot of dried fruit. And so, I mean, our family is very big into dark chocolate as well. and You get a lot of health benefits from it. So we wanted to keep it as clean and simple and pure as we could. So we did the premium dark chocolate, let the sweetness come from the grape. And then that little bit of cocoa dusting was really what puts it over the edge for that luxurious Cocoa
0: dusting. Um, Oh my gosh. Okay. So here's a question. So you guys have the manufacturing process for the grape, and you've got that all you know from start to finish—from planting or whatever you would call it, harvesting to harvesting and ready for flavor <laughs> and packaging. Did, how did you figure out a partner to do to package up your product and even to add some of these flavors? Because that's something different, right? That wasn't in the family business. This is something new and different than what you guys had done in the past.
1: We found a co-packer. Um, Talked with some people in the industry who were using various people, um, asked around, interviewed different co-packers and found one that we felt best embodied what we were going for and was easy to work with. And so we started with them for the dark chocolate. They also do our peanut butter coating now. And so our business goal is Partners, we want somebody who will work with us, who wants us to succeed. We want them to succeed. We're not sitting here for our own personal gain, and so we found a good partner who wants to help us innovate and create a great product and um, come up with. I mean, the the peanut butter actually was actually kind of an accident. (laughs) (laughs) Now the truth comes out. true. How how is it just an accident?
0: That sounds like a great flavor.
1: (laughs) The idea was an accident. Um, We were talking with our co-packer about other flavor ideas and things like that. And they were listing out what they can do and kind of mentioned peanut butter coated and then kept talking. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) Wait a second, Did you just say put peanut butter on a grape? Mm, like a peanut butter jelly. so
0: good, peanut butter and jelly. And
1: oh my gosh! Exactly. I we know. call them PBJ. Can I just
0: tell you? Like it took <laughs> me a minute. I mean, I just figured that out. I know. So, bad. It's bad.
1: As soon as I heard that, I was like, "Okay, we're we're trying it. Oh. I need to know." You it, need to put that what on the package. Taste like. So we sent peanut in some samples. Jelly. Yeah. And they were phenomenal. They. I had to Google.
0: You need to like market that. That's a good
1: one. The deep depth web to make sure nobody else had done a peanut (laughs) butter coated one because I couldn't believe that it hadn't been done. And so we actually released the peanut butter about three weeks ago, and so far it has gone over extremely well. And I can't keep my hand out of them. I have a bag in my fridge, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to wipe out our own supply. So <laughs> everyone should go and get some
0: while they can because I'm going to eat them all. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, Can't believe you're not already in th- tons of retail stores, but I have a feeling when I have you guys back on in a year, that's going to be a different story. Um, So what have been maybe one or two of the biggest lessons learned for you guys since getting started and going from you know the family business, the farming, hey, we can make grapes and we can make raisins to, you know, we're not just going to wholesale, we're going to retail? Like what have been one or two of the biggest lessons learned so far?
1: Uh, I would speak a little more to the wholesale
2: lesson. Well, well, not so much, but on the, well, wholesale and retail, it's finding good partners to work with, people that you can trust and have the same vision as you, because you do get a lot of people calling you about, oh, I can help you with this, I right. help with that um and it's and it's finding the people that really believe in you and sometimes it's, you can find people that are willing to um work very hard and if it succeeds then they get their um their payment basically they succeed with you yeah so it's, so it's finding those pr- um, perfect partners and we've had a few that you know sounded good we got in and just went oh, that was not it didn't a good work mistake. Out. You know, yeah. That was a bad mistake. Yeah. And I think we all and, have and that. So, right? I mean, that happens. Yeah, that and then um, learning that, you know, what we can ask for references and and call people and say, what do you think about this person? That, you know, we didn't quite do that as much in the beginning because we were a little bit more trusting. But, you know, it's learning those lessons that you can ask for help. And there's actually a lot of people out there that are willing to help you along the way which is another surprise that we learned. I think, Courtney, you would agree with that one.
1: Yeah. And honestly, going from farming to wholesale was its own adventure
2: of how to do (laughs) the sales, how to
1: make the uh, partnerships, how to kind of, we were also trying to differentiate our product at the time between the Thompson and the Selma Pete and educating people on the difference and why they should try this one over the other one. Um, but on the retail side, I would say the biggest lesson is how to work the system and figure it all out because they will send you if you talk to a retailer, they will send you a five-tab spreadsheet. Yes, that will make your head spin. (laughs) I know, and you stare at it and you're like, I don't know what ninety percent of these acronyms mean. (laughs) Yes, um, but I did learn i had a very helpful um distributor contact who was willing to take the time and get on a phone call with me and walk me through it because i spent three days staring at it googling trying to figure out what the acronyms meant i got me nowhere so finally (laughs) i was like you know what i might Uh, sound stupid no but i don't want to do this incorrectly will you help me yeah
0: a little side advice on that once you fill those out one time for a retailer you can you know it's it's very similar across retailers.
1: Yes. Yes. I quickly learned what MCB meant <laughs> and EDLP.
0: Um, oh, yep. Exactly. Day, low price, minimum so, quantities. Oh, yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's been a few things that, you know, I fell flat on my face and I was like, well, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> right. um, but at the at the end of the day, it was a lesson learned and it, you know might have been one step back, but I ended up jumping five feet forward. So oh,
0: No, this is great. I'm I excited for you well, guys.
1: It's an adventure.
0: Yeah. And that's and that's I think the it's also it.
2: good that Yeah. And I think it's also good that we've started small. So the lessons we've learned have been on small amounts and stuff. So as we grow, we're learning more and more lessons and hopefully we don't make a big mistake that's really gonna cost us in the end. Because we've been learning as we're growing.
0: Yeah, I mean, what's really neat too is you have this interesting combination of um, passion for the product, like it's part of your family, and like it's something you guys have lived with, and now introducing a really great product to others. But again, you love the product, so it's it's so easy to talk about and be into and explore. You know th- that's not the case for a lot of entrepreneurs, right? I mean they start a company because they have an idea, but they may or may not be like all in on that idea or that product or service, or like that That may not be their like their, their primary thing. And I think what's really cool is you guys have a great product and you're, you can be excited about it and see it grow and feel like you know where it came from and how it was, how it was made. It's really awesome. Um, share with our listeners how they can find you guys, where they can buy the product today. Because I know it will change in the next 6 to 12 months, but um, at least share with them where they can find and, and pick up your product as it is today.
1: Absolutely. Um, we began our retail online. So we have a very prominent presence on Amazon.com. You just got the life scrape. All of our products are there. All eight... Well, there's four snack boxes and then four resealables. So eight total. You can find everything there. Um, they're also on our website uh, www.lifescrape.com simple and easy all our products are there as well and then if you are in northern california we are in a retailer the rayleigh seller knob hill chain Um, they have our classic and mini resealables there Um, so those are an easy pickup if you will but hopefully you're right and in the next 12 six to 12 months I'll have a much longer resume for
0: you no question I mean anybody that's listening that's in retail or consumer goods can just click on your website or look at what your product on Amazon and be like um, I, I have like 10 ideas of where that could go um, this is awesome it's so great having you guys on um, we're absolutely going to revisit down the road and I'm just so glad we got a chance to meet thanks for coming on the podcast oh, thank you.
2: Hey, thank you very much
0: The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.